Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Owl's Nest. Uh, appreciate you tuning in with us to take a look at all the action that happened in week one. Uh, we also have, of course, with us my stalwart co-host, Jake Lyon. Jake, welcome back. Happy to be here. I think we have a really exciting podcast this week. Lots of interesting stuff from week one. I think so, too. And uh, the reception for episode one was really, really good. We actually put out a little bit of a teaser image uh, when we were recording last week, asking uh, some of our fans to guess what it was that we may have been doing. And the three people that came the closest, shout out to you, Shunned Lizard, uh, the producer of RNG and T, Lloyd, and Fusion X, who guessed that we were recording a video. So technically, yes, you were right. Congratulations. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, week one wrapped up, opening weekend of the 2020 Overwatch League, and I wanted to start by talking a little bit of our takeaways here, and then we'll move into talking a little bit about some of these rookie lineups that we've been seeing, and of course, uh, as always, we'll uh, talk about our uh, match of the week and uh, what's coming up here this uh, this weekend for the matches, uh, but I think where I want to start with is uh, what to me was one of the most prominent things that jumped out, and that was the meta. Uh, obviously, way different than what we were experiencing at the end of last season, but except for maybe a, key, a few key hero selections, we saw a lot of May, a lot of McCree, Lucio Anna, Return of Rhine. There was actually quite a diverse selection of heroes. So, Jake, just sort of entry level, what are your takeaways on what's happening with the meta right now? Um, I think the biggest thing, uh, the, the, the biggest mainstays of all have been... Um, May and Rhine. Uh, you see Rhine virtually at 100% pick rate. I mean, there's a couple instances of people playing dive and, and, and switching off, but for almost all the time, whether people are going to run Rhine Arissa or Rhine Diva, you're going to see that Rhine. So I think that just shows how impactful the anti knockback, the um, anti knockback buff was for Rhine. You know, before trying to chase people down could be so difficult with just a boop or two, then you just get completely separated and, you know, you're never going to be able to connect another melee. Once the Lucio boops you even one time, or, or really anyone boops you, even Diva is enough to separate. But now, I mean, Ryan is just absolutely unstoppable beast with the hammer. So uh, it's been pretty fun to see Ryan back in the meta. I think it's a hero that is probably a favorite for most main tank players. Just, you know, such a unique hero uh, in an FPS game. Now, we did see a, a little bit of the double shield going in, but as you said, a, a lot of the times it was Ryan and it was D.Va. Do you think that, we're, that we've sort of put the double shield into our rearview mirror now with some of the shield changes that we got over the offseason? Um, well, certainly Arissa Sigma, I think, is, is done and dusted. Those two heroes both getting twin nerfs right before the start of the season kind of ensured that, but I, I'm pretty happy about that. I think the double shield meta um, wasn't so fun to watch or play just because of how dominant it was at anti-flanking. You know, any flankers just got crushed by the potential for halts and Sigma's ability to control the flank and just 1v1 anything in the universe. So I like the Ryan comps because it enables more flanking. I mean, there will be like that main team aspect staying grouped up in a death ball, but it's not impossible to flank anymore. Um, so you'll see heroes like D.Va, like Lucio going on these, you know, crazy missions and hunting down backliners. And I always think that's so fun to watch. You know, every player on the team can get active. It's not like only the DPS are there to do something there to get frags you know everyone can find those pickoffs well and with as dominant as ryan and may were in the picks obviously eventually when we come to march and the hero pools are being put into the way that it's working in the league is that the heroes that have seen the most use the prior week will be the ones banned out so i think those who you know were excited to see a little bit of sigma or a little bit of orissa there's still some room i think to see them in the future as well now you had mentioned first coming in that we did see a little bit of dive uh, i believe it was the uh was it vancouver that was running the Genji and the Sombra first. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I think a 
few teams picked it up over the weekend, but I, Vancouver certainly played it more than anyone else in terms of um, actually wanting to play that comp as much as possible, you know, bringing it out on Blizzard World Attack, um, among other somewhat, somewhat unexpected places. So Vancouver, definitely the team that wants to assume that identity, but there we saw a few teams bringing it out, you know, showing that Genji, um, especially with Ana coming back to the meta, Genji always is going to have a place, the power of that nano blade. Uh, it's just not to be underestimated with, you know, the best Genjis in the world. Um, they can make it work even in a tough scenario. So um, I love to watch Genji. I love to play Genji. So that has me really excited. Um, and it's not oversaturated. It's not everyone playing Genji all the time. Nanoblades only, but um, just the right amount of Genji uh, for my taste. So I think the final question that I have in, in, in concerns to the meta is how much more do you think this is going to change? Or is the, the hero selection and diversity that we're seeing, is this just because... Overwatch League is coming back, you know, we need time for a more sort of dominant meta to really take form, or should we expect, at least up until March, when it's kind of, you know, will be forced on us in a way, should we expect these hero picks to stay just as diverse? Well, I mean, I think, I imagine there'll be some sort of um, coalescing to a point of, of hero picks, you know, like, I, I imagine, I think there were some more um, interesting matchups, like non-mirror matchups this week, um, which I think... Is, is definitely possible, but I think we will see, um, especially as time goes on, personally, I expect to see Reaper come back in on the pick rates on, on certain maps. I feel like Vancouver just dominated so hard with that Reaper May. You know, even when Valiant, in, in that match in particular, even when, when Valiant was um, up 99 on control, I mean, Vancouver just flipped one time with the Reaper and then never, never let go. And, and when it really wasn't even close, every single fight was so dominant, holding point with Reaper May. So um, I do think that there's very real potential that the the hero diversity could drop a bit as time goes on, as teams sort of realize what's the best. But I don't think it's clear at all because I think we, we saw teams have success with the Ryan Arissa. We saw teams get wins with Ryan Arissa into the Ryan Diva, and, and we saw the reverse too. So, I mean, I think there's really just a very tight matchup between um, what the best comp is. Uh, in fact, I think Arissa might actually be in a great spot for the meta because she really does give you that third tank diversity. I, I feel that tank lines are often the place where... Um, the meta becomes stagnant, where there's just one tank line that, that can't be stopped, that really has no counters. Um, but I think when you bring Ryan into the meta, it's less likely for that to occur, because, you know, Ryan is insanely good at what he does, right, at that frontlining shield presence, but, you know, the moment a team brings out, like, a full dive, super mobile comp, you know, Ryan just, you know, can't close the distance, no, no range potential, so... Um, I, I think there will maintain quite a bit of diversity going forward, um, and especially with a mind towards hero pools, even though they're not out yet, and we're not actually seeing those restrictions yet, I think teams are probably going to still want to be diverse in their skill sets and what they practice, and that'll bleed through into matches. Just knowing that this is on the horizon, it affects things now. That's a great point, too, and I think we still have probably a few more months before we start to see how the conferences uh, and the scrimming within them, see if that affects if we have uh, sort of regionalized shifts in, in the way that the meta works works uh did you have a favorite moment or a favorite hero pick throughout the week that you did not plan or did that you didn't expect to see um heroes i didn't expect to see i think um i think i'm just really happy to see to see mccree in particular coming up in the meta in a, in a very big way um you know i think reaper can really dominate on those close range maps but the moment you're in an open space mccree really just takes the game over and and of all the heroes in, in Overwatch, I think McCree may be one of the best to watch. I mean, Widow is exciting, and you get that pure skill hitscan matchup, but sometimes it just feels like a single-player game, and, and one player, just if they're insane, and you know they just run over the other, other team, it's exciting, but 
Uh, it's more of like a display of pure performance. Whereas on McCree, I think you, you really get the best of both worlds. You're fighting with your team. You know, you have that stun. You can you can save your Rhine from pins and, you know, pick up the D.Va when she's flying or stun the D.Va when she's flying so she can't escape. You know, like, there are those huge plays stun to be made. Stun the Genji mid-nano-blade as he's coming at you. Yeah, yeah, and, and of course High Noon. I mean, McCree is just, I think, just one of the most exciting heroes to watch and to play in Overwatch. Um, just such an insane potential, but also has that brawling aspect to him. So I love seeing McCree. And, and as far as a hero to be, you know, really, really dominant alongside Mei, I'm not upset to see McCree at all. Uh, yeah, I think some of my favorite gameplay that we saw this weekend was definitely out of Decay and uh, XZ's uh, McCree. Uh, speaking of exciting to watch, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about the two top teams from last year. We saw both the Titans and the Shock play this weekend. Uh, Shock just had one match going up against Dallas. Uh, what are your thoughts on that match? I mean, obviously it did end in a 3-1, to one, and Havana looked pretty dominant in the Shock's uh, favor. But all the other matches were, I think, a lot closer than what some people maybe anticipated that they would be, given the Shocks' usual level of dominance. Well, the Shocks are a great team, I mean, and, and, and they did win handily, right? But um, you make a great point, like Oasis, oh my god, I don't think I've ever, I, I thought that was completely over. Um, I thought, you know, Dallas is like up three picks, and then somehow Striker activates God Mode and just kills everybody, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened there. I mean, take give the Nano to Striker every time, I guess. That's what, that's what I'd be saying if I were Krusty. Just give this guy the Nano and let him go, and he just ran through Dallas and retook, but... Um, you know, I think Shock is just an incredibly strong team. Like, almost, I don't think there's any other team in the league that could have won from that situation. Um, so, I think Dallas is, is actually good. I mean, despite losing to Valiant, people might underrate them now. But Decay, obviously, just looks like a complete monster, like, winning or losing. So, I mean, if this team can sort of gel and, and break down the barriers and, and actually become a cohesive unit, I, I think Dallas is going to be a terrifying team. I mean, O2 is, is really misleading here. I think Valiant and Shock are... Actually, two of the best teams in the league right now. I think Valiant, I, I, I actually placed their stock very, very highly. Despite losing to Vancouver 3-0, I, I still think Valiant is going to be a playoff team this season. So um, I wouldn't rate Dallas too low after their performance. I mean, that was a that was a 3-0 to, or 3-1 to Shock, but that was a close 3-1. You know, it wasn't um, a lot of those maps, like you said, besides Havana, really could have gone either way. So... Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, despite the, the first day being a lot of three and ones and a lot of clean sweeps on the second day, I mean, you know, if you look at the way that they handled, uh, they full, full held the shock on Horizon Lunar Colony, which was one of the most intense matches, uh, I think, of the weekend. Uh, going up over into the other ones, though, looking at the, uh, the Vancouver Titans, you know, they, they picked up some big additions in Fissure and Ryu Hong. How do you think that this worked out for them in the long run? What are some of the things that, that you noticed, you know, switching from, uh, you know, the old, uh, the old reliable bumper that they had last year to running Fissure with them this year? Well, I mean, bumper bumper's a great main tank. Uh, they had a lot of success last year with him, obviously, you know, getting second place in the league. But um, I do think Fissure is just like a better fit for the team. I think Bumper um, at times looked over aggressive, at times looked, looked out of sync with his team. And I think Fissure is just going to give him that veteran presence, um, that, that calming and focused presence who can actually be like the main tank this team needs. I mean, uh, what they've talked about in interviews is having this more, or Fissure talked about specifically, is having this more playful style. Um, and I think that really actually suits him personally quite well. Um, he's a player who can make those, who can engage in that sort of playmaking aspect. He's not all about all-in aggression. I think that's why I would have thought about Bumper as being very, very, very aggressive all the time. Uh, I think Fissure has a little bit more diversity to his style, and I think that's going to enable players like Hawksall and um, Stitch, Soman Su to really, really pop off. And obviously Twilight looking so insane on the Ana, and Jae Hong as well on the Ana. I, th I think of Jae Hong though, 
as clearly a backup here for Twilight or, or like sort of, you know, maybe he's got some specialty uses. We can practice certain maps, certain strategies. Um, but I, I fully expect to see Twilight dominating the playtime. But, you know, I think what he said in this interview was also really instructive that when Jaehan came to the team, he just made everything better and just made everyone more focused, every, you know, and, and that's exactly what you want when you pick up a veteran like Jaehan, that he's going to add that calming presence, that strategic mind to your team. And I think it really showed how impactful it was today. I mean, I think Vancouver is, is, you know, wants to win the championship this time. I don't think they want second place. All right, well, the whole weekend was filled with incredible Overwatch action, but I think the biggest surprises came from some of the rookie lineups. We'll dive into our thoughts on the Valiant, the Spitfire, and the Uprising coming up next. Hey everybody, Robbie Land is here from Checkpoint XP, and I'm joined by the general manager of the Florida Mayhem, Albert Yeah. The hero pool changes that are coming uh, a little bit later in March have everybody buzzing. Uh, how does the team feel about those uh, coming down the pipeline, and what do you think this means for the game and the overall health of the Overwatch scene? Um, I think I think any change is healthy at this point. Uh, I think the question isn't if change is healthy. It's is you know could there be other changes that are better options or healthier options um but in general i think you know this is much better than uh than nothing um question it, it i think personally i'm not a fan of the week to week changes i'd rather have a, lo- a little bit longer of a period like two weeks maybe or even um preferably i would have uh i would have just not went ahead with the hero pool changes until like maybe see for a month you know if the mat if the meta becomes stagnant then okay Let's introduce hero pools. Let's see if we need to fix a problem. Um, but I think on Blizzard's end, they're like, how can we guarantee that the same hero doesn't get played or the same you know, few heroes don't get played? And it was like, okay, hero pools. Um, we can guarantee that doesn't happen. Um, so I, I see both sides. Um, personally, I would have liked to see something a little bit more, uh, a little less uh, severe. I feel like this is more of an overcorrection just because of how long goats lasted. Thanks for watching, or if you happen to download the podcast and listening to us, we encourage you to share your own opinions with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter, Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. You can find me personally at Robbie underscore Landis CP, and of course, Jake at Jake OW. We'd love to hear whether you agree or disagree with some of the stuff that we have to say. So uh, I think one of the biggest things to hear this weekend was there was a lot of unknowns for certain teams going into it. You know, we have a London Spitfire roster that was completely worked from the ground up. Uh, same thing for the Valiant, actually. And even the Uprising had a few new faces on here, and uh, they surprised everyone. So uh, why don't we start with the London Spitfire here, who, you know, 2018 champions, had a little bit of a mediocre year uh, in 2019, and then besides for Krillin, entirely new from the ground up. What did you think of London? Uh, I think they look great for, you know, a team with a lot of unknowns, you know, uh, against Nixel, looking super close, fighting them close on, on especially the sort of more brawly maps. I think London looked at their best um, in that death ball, playing as a unit of six, which which I actually think plays 
plays well for them for the future. I think that sort of comp around Ryan is going to be dominant for, for at least the rest of this patch. I, I can't see Ryan losing his dominance, even if the meta shifts a little based on DPS or support. Um, I really expect to continue to see Ryan. So um, that looks great for London going forward. And I, and I think they very much can be a strong team. Um, but um, of course, falling to the Paris Eternal as well. So, you know, an 0-2 Ooh, start. That was, that was rough. An yeah, 0-2 start. So no, they wanted better. They definitely wanted better. But, the, you know, they... they they look like they have potential for sure. It's not like, oh, rookie squad, these guys can't hang. Not at all. You know, I think anyone who concludes that is underestimating them. Agreed. I think that the London Spitfire and that London fans in general should be really excited about the season. Uh, coming out, you know, first match against Nixel, I thought that if they were going to get stomped anywhere, that would have been the place to do it. And they looked really great against them. Not quite sure what happened uh, in the in the Paris match. It was a little bit of a, a, a of a downer as far as their gameplay went. But I mean, overall, I'm a lot more excited going forward to see what you know Burner and Glister have, you know, along with the rest of the team for this season here. Um, I think probably the biggest excitement that, that that we saw and the biggest upset was uh, was the LA Valiant coming out and making some pretty good work of the Dallas Fuel here. Um, I mean, overall, you know, we saw, obviously, McGravy, I wouldn't say, is a rookie, uh, but we saw a lot of great potential from a lot of players on this team. Uh, KSP, in particular, seemed to pop off quite a bit. What are your initial thoughts after the two matches that we saw with the Valiant? Um, number one, KSP is a god. I mean, th this guy is looking like a real contender <laughs> for, for rookie of the year. I mean, just, like, going absolutely toe-to-toe -to -toe with Decay, coming out on top numerous occasions. I mean, that just speaks for itself. This, this is, like, this guy's first... Overwatch League land appearance in front of a like the most unfriendly crowd. Like pressure is on maximum for KSP, and he delivers in spades. You can't ask for more. You just can't. So for me, it's KSP dominating on the hit scan, and I'm also so happy to see KSF last season. I think a lot of people underrated him because he's playing hit scan. He's playing a role that he's not comfortable on. Like he's he never really wanted to be that hit scan player. He's always been a flex DPS, been a projectile player. So. Um, finally, now with KSP at his side, he doesn't have to be the hit scan for the team. Um, I think before he was kind of filling in for agilities um, in the past, you know, being the hit scan to that projectile. But now he doesn't have to do that. He can go back to his projectile, and, and he looked so sick on the May. Those snipes, constantly finding pickoffs, opening fights up, um, really playing really well on the May. Obviously, it's a bit of a one trick hero at this point in the meta, just super, super dominant in, in the playtime is May. But. Um, KSF looked insane too. And like you said, McGravy, get, I mean, last row with those sleeps. My God, what a freak. I mean, felt like Doha was playing so great on the Doomfist, but and they're on that on that um, Blizzard world against Fuel, last row slept Doha in like four consecutive initiations. I mean, the man just can't play the game. So uh, Rain as well with McGravy diving in on the flank. I mean, literally all six players on this team looked sick. So uh, I, I'm putting the Valiant stocks very highly. I, I don't really care about the 3-0 against Vancouver. I think that was more of a strategic thing. Valiant not as comfortable in the matchup um, and Vancouver kind of dominating them, especially with the Reaper death ball. Valiant weren't really ready for the counterplay or mirror matching on that. Um, but looking really, really good for the rest of the season of the Valiant. Well, and obviously, you know, series scores can be, as we've said before, you know, very misleading. You know, looking at 3-0, and you wouldn't watch that Blizzard World matchup and expect to have seen that in a match that ended in a clean sweep. I mean, the fact that Titans took that as fast as they did, I think a little over three minutes on the clock, and then Valiant came right back just tit for tat and put nearly four minutes on the clock in that time bank. Sure, they eventually ended up losing it, but I think every, just about every single player on this roster 
has major star potential. And I think as a Valiant fan, and as the Valiant themselves, the fact that you were able to get up for your first time in front of a crowd that is as bloodthirsty as the Dallas fans were and perform as well as you did, I think was remarkable. And I'm really excited to see the Valiant going forward. Normally, I'm a bit of a Gladiators fan myself, but uh, this might have tipped the balance a little bit for me. Where I... yeah, where I think everyone's maybe not quite as excited uh, is in the Boston Uprising. Now, they're not an entirely uh, rookie squad here. Uh, Fusions, Axiom, and I believe Munchkin, uh, you know, all played uh, uh, last year. Munchkin for the Dynasty, but Axiom and Fusions uh, uh, were still here. A uh, Color Hex as well. But they did pick up a few new people. It doesn't look like whatever it was that they were going for quite worked for them. Um, any thoughts on exactly what Boston's problems or issues were? Well, I mean, if anything, um, it seems like the hero diversity there was not really working out for them, like trying to swap constantly. You know, the reality of Overwatch is that the more you swap, not only if you swap like in the round, you're losing ults, it's inefficient. You, you don't want to be doing that, generally speaking. I mean, sometimes you're forced to and you just need a new hero and you, you got to switch. But um, there is a point where you're just a little, you know, too overinvested in that. But beyond even the ultimate economy, which most people would know, like, yeah, you switch, you know, that's bad, you lose ult. But um, the the other reality is that the more compositions you play, the less efficient your practice time is. So, like, you won't be as good at ten compositions as you will be if you only play three. Um, so, and 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 I think the reality of Overwatch is that even if, you know the meta is not luckily it's not so stagnant. You can just play one composition. I think that's unhealthy. But I think it is at a point where you don't need five or to seven strategy. You need like maybe two to three solid compositions that you know how to play really well like a reaper rushing comp you want like a mccree poking comp and you maybe want some dive in your back pocket and you know beyond that i just worry you know boston rookie squad are you overextending yourself like if you look at the other rookie squads they know their bread and butter and they're sticking to it look at london they're playing really really well on this reaper death ball diving in focusing targets down together it's working for them you know other comps maybe not as good but they stick to what they're good at as much as they can and you know they had some good success with it valiant of course putting ksp on the hit scan putting ksf on the may and poking it out they're really really great at those poke trades those dps so so uh, effective and mcgravian rain flanking dominating so it's that it's that aggressive poking comp for the valiant but for boston it's like what you know like you said like what nothing's really working for them like they need to find i think not necessarily limiting themselves to just one comp but figure out the comps that they're suited to and try to force those a little bit more often. Um, try to stick to something a little bit more bread and butter because the more you switch, um, the more you change things up, the harder it is as a team to adapt constantly. I mean, that's playing a lot of compositions is something that I think you'd look to do as you're a more experienced team, but right at the start of your tenure together, I think it's pretty risky. Well, there is that old saying, jack of all, master of none. And when you're going up against teams that have mastered, you know, a few specific comps, I think this is what happens. Uh, Overall, I think looking sort of uh, ahead a little bit, looking to our crystal ball, do the Uprising fans have anything to look forward to? I mean, are we looking at another down season for them, or do you think that something could end up shaking out in their favor? Um, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't don't rate this team very highly. I think that they um, think that they're, like, my guess would be that they don't make playoffs. But, um, you know, you never know. They've got some good players. I think especially that tank line is pretty exciting, especially if Ryan Arissa um, gets a little bit more dominant. I think Axiom and and Fusions is a great tank line um, for those heroes. Um, For me, the question marks on this team, it really is the DPS line. Um, I think Myunbong and Swimmer are both solid. Um, 
need to work on like cohesion and stuff. But I think for me, it's really all about can Munchkin step up to that level that you're seeing. You know, every team it feels like now has that. You know, a couple DPS players who are just on that next level. I mean, KSP and Decay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking KSF. I'm thinking Hawksaw and Stitch and Somansu. I'm thinking, you know, just as far as like what we've seen. Like it feels like every every team has these monstrous DPS on hitscan. I think Munchkin is a good hitscan player, but I just don't feel like he's on that next level making insane things happen, somehow coming back in down fights um, the way some of these other McCree players have been popping off. So um, Color Hex as well, looking great on like the projectile flex, but not looking as great on the May. And, you know, he's fine at the May, but if you're going to pick one hero you want to be insane at as a flex DPS hero, it's got to be May this patch. Like you need a top tier May. You need someone who's ultra comfortable on it. And I feel like Color Hex had his best performances on a Hanzo, um, which it works, but I don't think it can really dominate the meta the way May can against Orion. Well, it is just the start of the season, so we'll see how these teams adapt and end up playing out. Uh, up next, we'll look at the matches coming up this weekend, including what, our, what we consider our must-see match of the week. What's up, guys? I'm Kevin Kelly for Checkpoint XP on campus, and we're here today at the HyperX Esports Arena at the Luxor Las Vegas for a very special event featuring the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, NASCAR Heat 4, and three-time NASCAR Rookie of the Year, William Byron. All right, so we're here with William Byron, yeah. uh, pro NASCAR driver. Uh, we just wrapped up playing a couple games in NASCAR Heat 4. How are you doing, Amen? Good. Good. Just getting right into it. Do you think, like, you know, with NASCAR, you know, jumping both feet first into esports, mm. establishing their own league, do you think that, you know, that'll, you know, allow other esports titles, especially those in racing, the, the Grand Series, yeah. the Forces, do you think, you know, they'll be able to kind of, you know, benefit from that support? Yeah, I think so. I mean, anytime that, you know, NASCAR puts their name on something, it mm -hmm. definitely becomes a bigger deal. So I think that, you know, seeing how much they've done with iRacing and kind of how much iRacing's, um, you know, benefited from the coverage that NASCAR's given is, is really good. And uh, I think it's just going to continue to get better. Is the uh, the NASCAR Heat 5 cover a goal for you mm -hmm. in the near future? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was on the NASCAR Heat 3 game, oh, so, yeah. uh, so I think, you know, that was a really cool game to be a part of and and um, you know kind of interested to see how the next game turns out and uh, you were like the first guy to really make that jump from you know being you know extremely proficient in a sport you know turning into an esport you know making that jump to the real life version do you think that you know other people may follow in yeah. your path you may look at yourself as the guy who opened that door yeah i think for sure i mean there's a lot of really good um drivers out there that never gotten the chance to race in a real car so um hopefully they get that opportunity and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to see it for sure. And speaking of guys who get that opportunity, do you think that as far as iRacing goes, do you mm -hmm. think that's something, you know, all racers who are trying to, like, aspire to get to that point, do you think it's something they should be spending their time doing? I love iRacing. I think it, I think that, you know, kind of the connection that it has between um, the sim world and, and real world I think is really good. And um, I'm not sure how you really should get started racing, whether it's go-karts or uh, quarter midgets or, or whatnot, but I think that, you know, at least that's one way to get started. Awesome. And, and uh, you talked about Fortnite a little bit earlier. Is there any other mm -hmm. esports that you're keeping your eye on? Um, I got some buddies that play Fortnite, but I, I've yeah, never yeah. played. I've never really played, so uh, I'll have to never got defer to them on that. Yeah. For Checkpoint XP, we're here with William Byron, man. Thank you so much for your Thank time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it, man.
That's going to do it for us here at the HyperX Esports Arena here at the Luxor. We want to thank the Las Vegas Motor Speedway and William Byron for inviting us out here, spending some time playing some NASCAR Heat 4 with us. Me personally, probably going to stick to Mario Kart in the future. But for Checkpoint XP on campus, I've been Kevin, and we'll see you guys next time. Welcome back. Now, before we jump into these games and what you can expect from each of them, I'd like to remind you guys to all head over to CheckpointXP.com. Once you're finished with us here, there's brand, it's a, we have a brand new site up, and we have all types of content coming out all week long. And, you know, because I know you need more Jake, you should also head over to his Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Jake underscore OW. Make sure you hit that follow button and make sure notifications are turned on. So we're going to start here today with what we consider to be our match of the week. And going into it, we do have a little bit of a truncated schedule here because of the delays and the uh, rescheduling that's going on in China due to the coronavirus. But our must-watch, if there's only one match that you can catch this weekend, we're looking at Philadelphia versus Washington. Jake, why is this the must-see match of the week? Uh, for me, this is really a referendum on Washington more than it's one on Philly. I mean, I think Philly's a team that has always had good success, but um, making some pretty insane pickups, especially in the offseason. I think, um, for me, Fury is, like, one of the best players in the world. I mean, on, on everything, but but obviously on the Diva. Um, I mean, Poco, no slouch either, but, um, man, I mean, if this meta, if there ever is, like, a double off-tank meta and you can put Fury and Poco in at the same time, that will be absolutely terrifying. I, mean, I think Fury... For my money, is is in that like top three divas in the whole world category. Um, just a complete monster. Every time I see him play, he, he just looks perfect. He just doesn't make mistakes. He's like a machine. Um, you added to that, you've got Alarm coming up to you know be a counterpart to Boombox. If there's a double double flex support meta and Funny Astro, obviously looking so good, especially on the Lucio. Um, for me, the DPS additions are interesting, but I fully expect to see Eco and Carpe, you know, be the mainstays for this roster. I just think this team has real potential to succeed. I mean, obviously, season one went great for them, having a lot of good results. Season two, a little bit slower, but I think this could be, a, you know, another resurgent season for Philly. And uh, on the other side of Washington, lots of interesting pickups for them, like, um, especially in the tank line. Like, you're having Roar now, um, Lulsish and Elevote on the off-tank slots. Um Although uh, Lulsish, Lulsish is, I believe, still working on visa issues right now, so don't expect to see him uh, this weekend, I believe. I mean, I don't think that's either too big of a deal, though, because I would expect to see Roar and Elevote as the starters, um, just looking at this roster. I mean, Roar so sick on the main tank. I know for sure that they, they picked him up. I mean, I think um, Yanis struggled a bit last season, frankly, on the main tank role and, and was a bit of a bit of a Achilles heel for the Justice. But Roar just looks so insane on the Gladiators on everything that he touches. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing him on Rhine. Um, and I think beyond that, you've got Aim God and Ark on the support line. Um, looking solid. I don't think completely crazy. But for, for me, what I'm most excited to see is see Corey on these hitscan heroes. I mean, McCree is dominant. Widow is, you know, occasionally played. Reaper is also pretty dominant. So to see Corey coming out on his bread and butter hitscan, his most confident role... Oh, I think that's going to be a real show to behold. So, that, I mean, I think he'll stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Carpe, and uh, who comes out on top of that matchup is going to have major implications for the overall match. I just think it'll be really explosive. 
Yeah, I think between these two teams, too, you kind of hit the nail on the head, especially with their DPS players and seeing how diverse the hero selection has been just an opening weekend. I think this is going to be a very exciting match for fans to watch start to finish, regardless of what the outcome ends up being. Uh, the other matches that we have going on here is uh, we only got four teams participating this week, Philadelphia, Washington, Houston, and Florida. Um, so, you know... Former Houston Outlaws, there's been a lot of uh, changes, a lot of shakeup on the roster here. What are you expecting out of the guys? Um, from the Outlaws, you mean? Yes. Oh, yes. I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, I know that Jexa has... Um, I don't, I'm not sure if he's, he's here now. I know that they were you know, practicing with him while he was in Korea on you know, 250 ping and in you know, terrible Ooh. sleep schedule. Um, <laughs> but So I think he's, he's been swapping playtime with Boink as well. But um, I think Jexy could be a really huge asset to this team. From what I've heard, that he has like perfect English um, for the purposes of the game and is just a great caller for the team. So I think he'll add a ton in terms of the strategic depth. And then um, as well, thinking about the other the other new pickups, for me, it's like Mecco and um, Blase have me really, really excited. Mecco, I mean, just a freak of nature on New York Excelsior. Another person like in that category with Fury. You know, one of the best off-tank players, specifically D.Va players in the whole world. And D.Va is like a true carry hero of this patch with that insane mobility. I mean, you can frag out for real on D.Va. So I expect to see Mecco doing just that. Um, and the DPS line has so much diversity. Now, I'm not sure exactly who's going to be starting um, for this meta, but I really think um, they can handle everything with the four DPS players that they have. So I'm excited for Outlaws. I, I think this could be a good season. Uh, me as well. Got my Dante jersey all set to go. Uh, I think my final question for you then, and this is for the fans of Florida. You know, Florida has reliably been near the bottom for two straight seasons now. They're one of the teams that has probably made some of the most changes in their roster from, you know, the start of the league up until now. Do you have any hope that they might rise above sort of the middle of the bottom where they've sort of just been stagnating the past two seasons? I mean, I'm not sure, really. I mean, I think it's possible. They've got um, some interesting pickups. They've got Yaki. Um, Saya player has... They've always had interesting pickups, though. I feel like every time you hear that they pick someone up, it seems like a great one, but they just don't seem to know what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited by Fate on the main tank, but of course he was there last season, and, and unfortunately it just they weren't really able to deliver huge results. Um, you got Gangnam Jim, Gangnam Jim as well. Um, who I think is going to add a lot in terms of the flex support role um, over Byram, in my opinion. But um, this is a real referendum on this team. I mean, they, they this is, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I think the interesting thing as far as what's new this season is rather than thinking about like, oh, these new pickups, it's more like season one, completely different roster. Season two, uh, they transitioned to the full Korean team. And now this is mm -hmm. the second, I would say, the second real season for this new roster, right? Like, they basically did a complete overhaul from uh, the inaugural season. So it basically was a new team in the second season. They might as well have been an expansion team. But um, now they've had some time. You know, Now they've had some time to work. They've had an off-season to grind it out and gel. Um, and for me, this is the question is, like, can these players deliver? Um, I have a lot of faith in a player like Fate. I think he is just a complete monster. So this could be a great meta for him to really dominate and take over. Um, in the Arisa meta, it's just not possible for main tanks to do that, it, with the exception of maps with like a pit you can drop people into. Um, but pretty much that's the playmaking that Arissa has. So seeing Fate back on Ryan on a hero that he can take over the game on, I, I really am excited for that because I think Fate is, for my money, the strongest player on this team. Um, and then I think the big question mark for me is actually Saya player. I mean, he's, he's had 
insane highs, like some of the highest highs in the whole league, but has also had some metas where he really struggled. And I always felt like he was completely insane on the Widow. The McCree was just not quite on that same level, but still good. So I'll be very interested to see Saya players, McCree and Reaper. I think that'll be um, really the key to this team succeeding is Fate controlling the front line um, and Saya player, you know, finding those dominant pickoffs, finding those um, 1v1 trades that I think are going to be really important in this match. All right, well, for the sake of Florida fans, I hope that that works out for you. But that's all the time that we have for today. Once again, make sure you connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. You can find Jake at JakeOW. Uh, Jake, thanks so much for, uh, for hanging out with us and talking some Overwatch today. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. And remember to always stay on that payload.